I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. We're the Ragamuffins, and this is episode 29 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast. Every month we get together, talk about the latest news, music, and trends in the world of alternative music. On this episode, we'll be reviewing the brand new albums from Vale of Maya and The Amity Affliction, as well as new singles from Corey Taylor, Avenged Sevenfold, Holding Absence, and more. And later on, we'll be trying to predict slam dunk festival headliners of the future. But first, let's look at some news. Could Slipknot look at doing some residency shows in the future? Clown has mentioned having seven days in a reasonably sized venue and then play every album in its entirety for each night, uh, including intros, production from that era, masks from the album cycle, songs never played live before. Um, for me being a big fan, I would love that. I think that'd be a lot of fun and very unique. However, very, very expensive if you wanted to go to every night. Um, I was having a little think when I saw this. Are there any other bands that you can think of who would like to see do a residency for a certain amount of nights and see every album in its entirety done? Well, Stick to Your Guns did a similar thing. Um, at, I think it was at the Chain Reaction in California where they did, I want to say it was like three nights. First night was like early era. Second night was mid era stuff. And then like recent stuff at the end. I can't remember the exact. I think it might have maybe been like two albums, a mix of the two albums per night. Yeah. I think they've done six albums. I don't. I can't remember the exact number, but that was the gist of it, basically. And that seemed to go down really well because it was um, different supports every night, I think, as well. Could you buy a ticket for all three, do you know? Or was it very individual? I've no idea. But it seemed really cool. I would, yeah, I'd definitely love to see more bands do it. I'm trying to think of... I mean, the obvious one is a band that's maybe gone through a lot of changes so that early stuff maybe doesn't get a much of a look in. The, the two that come to mind are Architects and Bring Me. Yeah. I mean, Architects will probably start from Hollow Crown. I don't think they need to play Nightmares or Ruin um, unless they want to play Fat Lovers and Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe those two bands. Sleeps would be a good one to do it at the warehouse. I've seen them teasing teasing a few Mm. things for Ali Pali and old songs and things that haven't been played before. So that'd be quite cool. And And then obviously Enter Shikari recently have done some residency shows. It's not been so much album-based stuff, but they've spread it out over three months. And um, each of like, I guess it was kind of split into three mini tours. And each tour had like a different set list and different supports and stuff. Nice. So, something like that. There's certainly wouldn't be surprised if the, if more bands don't think about doing it in the future. It's a bit of a recent recency bias on this one, but I think Sleep Token would be good. They're a good band to do something like that. Yeah, mm, definitely. Because listening to the new album, I'm thinking, well, how many of these songs are actually going to make it into the live set though? Which again makes me think, I want to hear all these songs live. There's loads of deep cuts off the previous two albums that I haven't heard live before that I'd love to. And it seems like their kind of thing. It seems yeah. like something they do. So I think that'd be a cool one. I'm a massive believer in like, I feel like every song should get one outing live. And it probably should be in the form of like an album release or anniversary show um, where the band just played nothing but that album. I think that's what bands should do. But so yeah. Good good, good question, James. What about you? Did you have an answer? Uh, it would be the Slipknot shows. I think going through that, I'd, I'd 100% be going through like, the first four albums to I see them. I was going to say which which ones would you actually go if to? It, if it's by like I'm paying gig by gig, Iowa would be like the the one I would want to go to most to see like my favorite album in full, and then to see like the first album would be amazing. Volume three would be quite cool, and all hope is gone would be great. But then like as you're starting to get into like Grey Chapter and Beyond, it's a bit hit and miss. We're not your kind is probably my favorite out of the recent era, um, but I would still go and see that nonetheless. I think it'd be incredible. Moving on, 
Uh, Avenged Sevenfold played their first show in just under five years on May the 12th recently. They played three new songs for the first time, including the new singles Nobody and We Love You, as well as another song titled Game Over from the upcoming eighth record Life Is But A Dream. That is out next month. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be back in full swing after Time Away, and you'll be able to hear our thoughts on the new single We Love You later and the new album next month on the podcast, as we will likely be reviewing it. Uh, finally, uh, very recently, Josh Freeze was announced as the drummer for Foo Fighters. Um, they had a little live stream on Veeps that's free to watch. Uh, it was revealed on that that Dave Grohl did the drums for the latest album that's coming out as well next month. Um, but you could see like a lot of camaraderie between them. I've, I've watched some of it and and really like funny intro. Chad Smith pops in, Tommy Lee pops in. Um, seemed like done in really, really good taste with it all. Um, and good to see them like in high spirits leading up into the future of it. Obviously, Taylor Hawkins was such a massive part of the band and will not be forgotten in any way. But to see them kind of move forward um, was very, very positive and very nice. So that is your news for the month. Cool. Should we talk about last month's recommendations? Yeah. James, what did you recommend us last month? I recommended you Pain Remains by Lorna Shaw. Hmm. I don't know. It was a weird one for me. Um, I like a lot of really extreme metal. I'm more towards like the black metal end of the scale than like deathcore death metal stuff. But um, I don't know with this one. It was tough. A lot of music that gets this extreme to me, it just becomes down to like pattern recognition of like rather than musically being in tune with what's going on you're just sort of recognizing like oh i've heard this i've heard this song enough times that i know the riff that's coming now because it's so relentless in terms of like speed and ferocity so a lot of the album did sort of bleed in to one because i I thought their ep the return to nothingness ep was really good and it was like maybe three i can't remember three three songs and they were all really well varied and interesting whereas this one i felt a little bit more um of a blur yeah, Especially when a lot of the songs were quite long in length. But um, yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I think I'll probably still see them at download. Clash is dependent. But I don't know. I don't think I'd go through the whole album as a whole. It's not very digestible and it's not the easiest. I have to be in the right kind of like yeah. headspace or mind frame to listen to it in particular. But it is one that I think has grown on me with time. Um, yeah. Go on, Dan. Yeah, I think I'm with Alex on this one. Um, I'm really, really trying with Lorna Shaw and... Same with Alex, I liked their previous EP. But trying to go into this album in full, it's just, there's just a lot going on and it's a little bit overwhelming at times. Um, and just really, really difficult to kind of follow what's happening. Like the, again, they're obviously incredibly talented and obviously a lot of people love this. But for me, it's it's just really hard to kind of follow the song and kind of know what journey it's taking me on. It's kind of just thrashing about and going wherever it wants to. And then they'll bring a bit back and it's like, oh, there's a little bit of familiarity there. But um, yeah, for me, it was just a struggle to really get into. I did like the final three tracks, the Pain Remains sections. I thought they were quite cool. But I think that's mostly because they were the only tracks that had any kind of real structure to me that stuck out that I could really kind of pinpoint where I was with it. Um, but again, same with Alex. I'll I'll definitely go and see them at Download still and keep on trying with them. That was kind of the launch point of me just being like, they're going to be at Download this year. They could be quite fun to see. Let me start listening. And it was, like with both of you, it, it was a struggle to start with. And it was, I think, with a lot of bands, sometimes once you kind of get into the familiarity, like you were saying with Alex, you can actually start to 
like push forward and kind of recognize sections and that what starts to really kind of pull you in with it but i see the difficulty because i had it as well but yeah alex what did you recommend for us last month i recommended Fleshwater's 2022 album we're not here to be loved ahead of seeing them hopefully at 2000 trees what do you guys think i only managed to have a proper glance and kind of listen to it but it was very very enjoyable um the vocal dynamics between the two of them was really intriguing um I kind of want to be able to spend more time with it now. I think having a bit more time, uh, probably post-download to listen to it more. But straight off the bat, it was something I'm like, okay, the trees line up on a few days. It's it's better on certain days for me. And so I need to have a look at the dates and w- which ones they're on. But very much intriguing to probably go and see them live, I think. Something I'd like to delve into a little bit more and really explore, I think. But from like first initial listens, very, very enjoyable. Well, I first listened to this album because it was on a lot of people's album of the year lists last year. Um, and it's got a duck on the cover, um, <laughs> which I think is really, really cool. Ducks are great. And I think the album's great as well. It's a bit shoegazy, it's a bit gritty, a bit sexy, and just in general, a total vibe. Um, the vocals work really well together. And I think the bass and guitar tones act as almost like an ozone layer that kind of keeps the listener inside this little atmosphere. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. And Dan, what did you recommend? I recommended Trash Boats, Nothing I Write You Can Change What You've Been Through. Because James has been starting to get into Trash Boat a bit recently. I wanted to kind of give him a little bit of a nudge. Like, this is what old Trash Boat's about. I very much enjoyed it. Um, There's a lot of songs on there that I kind of heard so much, I think, from being, like, in car journeys with you. Like, listening to, like, Alex having it in the next room, like, before, previously, when we lived together. Uh, which is, like, the, the nice familiarity of it. And I, I'm, they're on my list to see at Slam Dunk. So this is kind of like being a nice little hype for me. Um, it's difficult out of the two albums. Well, this compared to the latest album, I kind of like the two I've heard the most of then, I think in particular. And so I kind of like play them off one against each other a little bit, but it's very old era, new era. I think I prefer all of this era, this this older stuff that's kind of come through. Um, but then I've heard you talk about before, they don't really play as much of this anymore, which makes it sad because then you're yeah, like trying to get into an album that you know you're not going to hear it's kind of why i wanted to recommend it because it's yeah. a bit like they don't really represent this side of them as much as they used to you can hear the difference in the musical like tone and what they're going for it was very very enjoyable um i feel like they're one of the bands i think i know we're seeing them as a time of recording this saturday at slam dunk festival but i think once i get past the hype of bands that i'm gonna go and see like this summer and be like incessantly listening to Slipknot again and Loathe and Holding Absence, all that kind of stuff that I'm going to have. Post-festival season, I think they're one of the bands that I feel I'm going to do a very big deep dive on their discography. Seeing them so many times, I think, in the past year in particular, has been very, very enjoyable. And like listening to this has been enjoyable. Seeing them earlier on this year supporting Holding Absence was phenomenal. And I have no doubt this slam dunk set's going to be great. But I think like they've turned into one of the bands that have reached a certain point, I think on my radar in particular, where I've enjoyed so much of the music and they've put on such a phenomenal live, live show that they're going to become like one of those next bands that I'm like, okay, let me listen to everything, really, really delve into it and love it all. And I think this was like the big kick that kind of pushed me in that direction a little bit more. So very nice. grateful for that. And I think at some point, maybe four months time, when we get to like September-ish, You'll probably have a big trash boat fan. We'll have to have another little trash boat check in with you. I think that will need to happen. But then, Alex, you've you've known this album for a while. 
Yeah, I don't have um, any sort of newfound thoughts about it because I loved it since, ever since it's come out. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's weird because they, they don't really represent this album live that much. But then every now and then, like we saw them on that tour where they played Oxford and they played like 11. Um, they played a couple of songs from this album and it was a bit like, well, hang on, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. So um, it's definitely a good album. I mean, it's a good album anyway, but it's a good album to know because on the rare occasion that these songs do get a live outing, goes off. So, um, always happy to revisit a classic. I loved it. Should we get on to some newer stuff? So we had the second single from the upcoming Avenged Sevenfold album titled We Love You. Um, Alex, we're old Avenged fans. Yes. What do you think of this one? Well, it's a w- it, this was a really weird song. I th- Straight away, I'll say I think this is better than the uh, first single, Nobody. Um, the first, like, 30 seconds where the vocals are all, like, glitchy and it's weird. I think if you take that off the start of this song, it's actually a really, really good song, the rest of it. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, that first beginning bit was just weird, though. And also, it doesn't help that I got quite dodgy Bluetooth uh, earphones. <laughs> I thought that they were, like, packing up as I was listening. So I was like, what the fuck's going on? Um, no, I don't know. It's weird one. I we were talking about this before we recorded James about like in retrospect a lot of um classic Avenged Sevenfold stuff is actually quite experimental and quite kooky, but because we were, were so young, I don't think we had any sort of uh we didn't have anything in our heads to tell us that it was weird. Do you know what I mean? It was just mm. enjoyable. So I think when I try and like look at this new stuff with that same mentality, I enjoy it a lot more than like with an overly analytical like adult brain on so for me i did enjoy this overall i thought it was a pretty cool song um and i'm I'm still int- intrigued to see what the album sounds like you know that meme of alan partridge shrugging <laughs> <laughs> yep that's it that's my review fair enough well is this uh, would you class yourself as an event sevenfold fan nope so is this are these singles doing anything to intrigue you nope okay I just thought I'd be it's all I have. I yeah it, it just doesn't drag me in at all so being it an Avenged Sevenfold being an Avenged Sevenfold fan mm. these singles for me are turning me off looking forward to listening to the album and partially kind of I'm getting nostalgia seeing them back and being active again I like me and Alex sat and watched like the live at the LBC again recently and all kinds of things like that but it's partially destroying like I guess my fandom of this band and like the nostalgia for it because I have like there was so much that we used to listen to this album Alex that it was kind of a key part I think of like growing up like teenage years I think that I hold it in such high regard and I hold them in such high regard for it but this just isn't living up to it for me and it it's disappointing like feels like it's just chipping away at that like for this in particular, it's a song of two halves, I think. There's the, the heavy section, which I love, and it's fantastic. It's great to hear M Shadows kind of screaming again and healthily doing it. Yeah. Um, and like seeing the clips of them at the Las Vegas show is, is fantastic to see them going and, and him kind of putting those screams out there again after having like vocal surgery and all kinds of issues with that. Um, but I'm just not a fan of the first half of it and kind of like the experimental side of the song, I guess, a bit more. I just don't like the mix of it. The the, the drum mix and drum sound kind of turn me off. Um, 
I'm I'm always for like bands experimenting and having the creative freedom. People are gonna. I have seen people kind of like slating them or ex- expressing a disappointment a bit like I'm doing, but I'm never gonna say don't do that. They've got to have the creative freedom to do what they want to do with it and not cater to what they think people want to hear from them. Like have the have the freedom to do what you want, but that doesn't mean people are going to enjoy it. And I think that's kind of where it sits for me. Um, and like the extended acoustic outro section just kind of felt unneeded and just like you could have chopped a minute and a half off the song really yeah, that's fair that was sad let's see if we partridge can... shrug let's see if we can uh, <laughs> turn the mood around with the new casket song more than misery featuring telly smith of the word alive what do we think of this i think it's quite good I think uh, the synth is really cool and helps kind of transport the song kind of between phases, between verses and chorus kind of thing. Um, and speaking of the chorus, it's a big chorus, big old sing-along, big hook. Um, I think ultimately it's a pretty simple song, but it just ticks all the boxes for a good post-hardcore slash metalcore song, doesn't it? I don't know. I quite, I really enjoyed this one. I, it reminds me of two bands. One is Dayseeker in the sense that at the time when we reviewed their album, Dan, you said you came up with the term misery pop. Yeah. Which I feel like this sort of uh, yeah, falls into. Yeah, yeah, you did. Copyright that. Um, I feel like this sort of falls into that same area. Um, and also it reminds me a lot of Holden Absence. It's sort of like if Holden Absence played in drop A is, the, is what this band sound like. So with that in mind, I imagine in about three to four months time, this will be James's favourite band. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got a new one from Corey Taylor called Beyond. Uh, James, you're a big Slipknot fan. I am. What do you think of this? I am always ridiculously apprehensive because like, his name stamp's on there. And I want to enjoy it. But I don't. Well, yeah, I think if Corey Taylor's name wasn't on this song, we wouldn't have even listened to it, to be honest. Yeah. And like, it uh, has some like good moments and there's some like nice vocal hooks. Um... Like when it gets the vocal melody of it's only my heart that you're taking, I think like there's a nice little kind of line in there and the way it kind of like soars through with that. But the the debut album, there were a couple of songs that were decent and sounded, oh, it's going to be so bad. It sounds like it's B-sides of Stone Sour in kind of some, some parts of it, like songs that could have been used on more recent albums like Hydrograd, I think, which is such a bad representation to take because... I, it would just get ridiculous comments on that of people no it's something separate but um, it does I'm just apprehensive and disappointed and not looking forward to more material to be honest the second well, album will come out and I'll, I will give it a listen because there may be one or two songs on it that, that will actually bop and actually be like good tunes to listen to but it just has a very kind of bland radio rock sound and the, I find the drum performance quite uninspiring and flat so oh Dan I've used the word uninspiring it is it just doesn't it just doesn't move anything for me at all um, which is a very big shame mm. it just feels like a bit of a bit of a dad rock ballad I was actually going to say it sounds like someone who was born and raised on dad rock who is now a dad themselves making their own dad rock yeah. If that's what butters you toast, then more power to you, but I'm not interested. And also, like, what, what are we expecting? He's in his, what, 40s, 50s? He's not going to... His solo stuff isn't going to sound like Iowa. He's going to write... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, he, he gets all of his aggression and shit out in Slipknot. Yeah. 
you might as well have fun doing music that he wants to do but doesn't mean we have to enjoy it doesn't mean we want to hear it yeah (laughs) (laughs) Jesus should we move on to something I think is going to be a lot more positive yes Holding Absence have released their second single uh, from upcoming album The Noble Art of Self-Destruction thank you out 25th of August what do we think I think it's my favourite of the two singles we've heard so far from the mine as well. Album. Interesting. Yeah. I have the um, opposite view, but keep going. Okay, all right. Um, absolutely love the chorus. It's just a big holding absence sing along chorus that we all know and love. Um, some great lyrics in this as well. Like on the horizon, there's nothing left to see, and all my hope is a hoaxing. I really like that one, and yeah, I just really, really love this song. Yeah, I think um, they're masters at sort of happy instrumentation that is married with like actually quite bleak lyrics when you focus on what he's saying. But it's sort of dressed up in this happy melody and this happy song that you uh, don't really realise the the bleakness of what he's saying. And I think that's when Holden Absence are probably at their best. I love this song. I'm very excited for the album. That melody in the chorus, like it's such a fantastic hook and there's been times... Like when I've been working the past few days, where I just have that kind of float into my head, um, but it's just kind of like it's, it's a great compliment to how catchy it is and how much it's going to stay with you. I think as well with the vocal performance, the double tracked melodies they have, in particular, create such a full sound um, over the instrumentals that I think really kind of like is very powerful. It hits you and it's going to stay with you quite strong. And I think like the song structure with it is amazingly fluent. It flows so effortlessly um and i love in the last chorus section where the, the the drum beat in particular changes and it goes to a slight halftime beat with some syncopated snare drums and then kind of just goes and punches back up to full tempo in the last little section i think is very very great in the songwriting for it and really makes that last chorus stand out very strong like i said i think i have a slight preference and it is a slight preference for a crooked melody i think that amazingly melodically um, kind of stands out a little bit more for me um, with with some slightly better hooks but that's not to I think put anything down on this one in particular and I think off the back of both of these songs um, they're absolutely fantastic I can't wait for album three um, amazing work to be honest we'll have to get back to you guys and see what we think of it live yes when we hear these two songs at Slam Dunk I'm very excited for that finally from all the singles Kenny Hoopla released You Needed a Hit. We were a massive fan of his album. It was amazing. We saw him live last year and he absolutely killed it. And here we are with a new song. What do we think? Well, funnily enough, after taking a hit from this one, um, I want more. I'm hooked. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a a two-minute, raw, raging punk banger. And I want more of this, please, Mr. Kenny. Yeah, I think um, it's just fucking sick when i first watched it i was like the video ended and i was sat in silence for like about 20 seconds and i just turned to my girlfriend and i was like that's fucking sick and do it again played it again yeah um yeah i don't know future of punks in safe hands i reckon he's one of the best live performers we saw him twice last summer and he was incredible and um i think he's only gonna get better and this song is just yeah it's infectious because it, it's so quick it, it's over so quickly that you're just like, fuck, I need to listen to that again. Um, I had to like consciously stop myself from hitting repeat because we've got so much, to, we had so much to review this month. I was like, I need to listen to other stuff. 
and not just that one song but yeah i love it it was just fun high energy there's some great moments in there i think they're going to be amazing for crowd participation which will only just enhance that live performance even more bear in mind he was already fantastic live um and just completely echo what both of you have said i I'd wanted more and like the two minutes had ended and i was like sitting there like no no more give me more music so i think that's a great way to leave them hanging always wanting more and knowing that more new music is going to be coming um very very exciting so great job kenny awesome i suppose we'll uh, dig into the two albums from this month first being veil of Meyer's mother james you can go last because you're a, you were already a veil of Meyer fan going into this but dan what do you think i think this is a really really cool album um I think the electronics work very well um, with the chuggy, kind of genty guitar riffs, uh, and the drums just found, sound so fucking crisp. Like they, every snare hit, every kind of cymbal, everything is just so clear. You hear every single hit. There's some big pop choruses on here too, which are a really nice break from all the genty stuff in the in the verses, and it it kind of feels like it's I get like a futuristic vibe from it, like it should be a video game soundtrack or yeah. or, or something like that. Um, I thought some of the breakdowns were really unique, uh, like on Godhead, it kind of, it doesn't go straight in with the heavy, it kind of does a little genty almost math rock bit first and then kind of eases into it. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting and quite easy to enjoy while also being crazy enough to kind of keep you on your toes and keep you intrigued right from the start to the end. I was looking forward to this album for so long um, and it completely smashed the hype for it. It was phenomenal. Like it's a perfect album length, I think as well. 10 songs, 35 minutes amazingly digestible um and i feel like looking at it kind of from the organizational point the singles were kind of like floated in at the right moments i think throughout the album it's not front heavy um a bit like how the sleep token one was we kind of found i think listening to some of it with sleep token initially is you kind of jumped to like track six to hear something different whereas this you could kind of like go in and, and structure the reality really well. i think that was done fantastically um and like i said i think with the vocals, it was nice to have those pop catchier hooks. And I think exploring that kind of side, because Lucas's vocals are amazing and they're very diverse and fantastic. And to display that, I think, perfectly amongst the record was great. Um, great imaginative instrumentals, playing with like the time signatures and the offbeat syncopated riffs, making it distinct. They have a very unusual sound that is you can't really attribute to many other bands, which is very, very good. Um, I love the intro of Lost Creator because it's brutal and just smacks you in the face with the blast beats and probably one of my favorite new songs on there they just killed it with this um i think this is some of their best work um they're going slightly heavier compared to previous sounds when lucas joined the band for matriarch it was much more metalcore compared to being like previous deathcore albums so it feels like this is kind of going back to that old sound slightly which is very welcome and i think they're one of the bands i need to see live now from a band that james is a lover of to a band that alex is a big lover of the amity affliction uh, with their new album that I've just turned my phone off and forgotten the title Not of. Without My Ghosts that's the one uh, shall we finish with Alex I guess we'll start with James I find it interesting um, they have a very distinct sound with like the clean vocals in particular and it's always been a positive and negative for me because it's so distinct that they stand out easily whenever you listen to songs by them but also for me it gets repetitive and that's always been the thing that's really held me back from enjoying it. I kind of look at the instrumentals for this and I loved it. 
and it was fantastically heavy. Um, like they stepped it up a notch, and I've seen people commenting on that quite a lot. But there is that kind of just holding back on it that I can't seem to fully jump into and enjoy. I can understand to a like either a non-fan or like I guess maybe more of a casual like Amity fan that this album is yeah exactly what you expect. But I think the thing that for me is like well to put it into context like you gotta understand that I was listening to this band um, a during like their golden trilogy era and also at a time where like their lyrics were very relatable and uh, for a lot of people they're a band that are like quite crucial in like helping them through like in the same way that like you know everyone has those bands that regardless of like if other people tell you it's not very good or they don't enjoy it you still really really like for the one years for you Dan and maybe Beartooth for you it's like they could put out something that's widely regarded as turd and for you you'd still be you'd still be able to find the golden aspects of it so I think yeah. that's what this is for me is like <laughs> this um, is so your you, turn. You, no, no, no. I'm not saying. No, no. This I'm not is saying, your turn with sweet corn in it. No, but I, I, I can understand why some people might not like this. But for me, it's like I'm so used to, like when I put on an Amity album, because of the history I have with this band, I'm in for the ride the whole way through, and it's easy for me. I think, and like I guess that repetitive style that might I guess it's people. easier for you to see the progression between albums as well whereas yeah. for us where we only really know the singles yeah and and I do think that it's the the sort of um cookie cutter format of their singles is a very fair criticism and the thing is I think it works it does it work. does yeah, make yeah, for massively. great songs yeah. yeah it's just the same songs and to like me. It, it's a tough one actually I think because this is probably as as far as a full album goes um I did really enjoy it but it is probably the most samey because I think they've tried to really push the heaviness. Whereas, like, Let the Ocean Take Me and especially um, the Misery album have a r- quite a lot of variation in, like, the deep cuts. So, I don't know. I I really love this band. So, for me, this album was b- brilliant. But, like, you know, if you want to take that with a pinch of salt, that's fine. Cause salt I think, water? But that's the whole point, isn't it? Like, you know, we've all got bands that, like, will, will love regard. Comfort bands. You're, yeah, you're yeah, always yeah. going to have that. The, the people that... It, no matter what they're going to put out, you're going to love. So that is understandable. I do see what you mean with that. But if you do want an Amity album to like really sink your teeth into, I would recommend Chasing Ghosts, probably. Maybe I'll do that at the end of this episode. Who knows? Ooh, Ooh. Spoilers. Should we look at what's coming out next month? Yes, Oh, yes, us. please. A slightly thinner month in releases. I've got three standouts for you. Uh, on June the 2nd, we've got two of them. We've got Avenged Sevenfold with Life is But a Dream. And Foo Fighters with But Here We Are. The third album, this is mostly for Alex, on June 9th, McFly are back with Power to Play. Huge. Um, <laughs> that was I amazing. Mean, what are we most looking the, forward uh, to? Well. I mean, to be honest, I might be most looking forward to that McFly album. Th- this is the thing. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to is the Avenged album. But people have been saying online and like some of the singles that the McFly album is, and this is comparative to their other stuff, heavier. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying it's going to be fucking chugs and breakdowns, but I think it might be a bit more rock and roll than, like, the pop punk stuff that they've done in the past. I don't know. Interesting. With a strong though. emphasis on pop. Well, yeah, pop rock, I think, is what we, mm. we're looking at. So who knows? We might even end up reviewing McFly next month. But yes, Avenged is what I'm, is what I'm excited for. What about you guys? I, I want to say Avenged, but I, I don't know anymore. Foo Fighters, Dan? I'm not particularly excited for any of those, really, but I guess I'm intrigued to see what Foo Fighters do. 
Mm. We'll see. It's a terrible album cover, though. I haven't seen it. I'm not seeing it. It's just like, let's let's get it up now. For, this is great for an audio-focused piece of content. If you're listening on audio, on screen. this well, is your time to Google it. This is your time to get on Google, which is what I, exactly what I'm doing. Or so get I, won't, I won't even edit this. We'll, we'll go to the truckmusic.store website and search for It's interactive. Fighters. You get to yeah, do it yourself. So the, 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 the time that it takes Dan to do this will be the same for you at home. You might already be there before Dan. You probably already are because I've got those messages popping up because I've just taken my phone out of flight mode. Nightmare. Maybe I will edit a bit of this. Oh, here we go. It's loading. Up on screen now, you'll be able to see it. It's loading. Oh, that's a shit one. That's really... I can't even see anything. That's a really poor album cover. But, yeah. Anyway, intrigued to see what they do. Mm. Gig talk. This is what we talk about all the gigs we've been to in the last month. How exciting. It's in the name, really, isn't it? It's in the name, yeah. Clues in the name. You guys went and saw Hot Mulligan? We did. How was it? Uh, we went down to Southampton to the Joiners, uh, which is a venue I really like. It was Alex's first time there. Um, so I guess, what did you think of the venue, first of all? Small. Um, yeah, it was a cool venue if you're in the front part of the room. If you're in the back part of the room, you're a little bit fucked. A little bit. But, you know. But there is a secret passage around the side where you can get to the front. That which is true. Nice. Yeah. No, it is a cool venue overall, though. Intimate, warm. And for the gig? It was sweaty. Very. Um, but a lot of fun. I think I had a big smile on my face for the majority of the set, to be fair. They yeah. were just, considering the content of some of their lyrics, it was just a very, very good time. Yeah, it was a bit silly at times, a bit goofy. But um, overall, yeah, very fun. Mm. They sounded great. I think the thing that really stood out, something you pointed out, Dan, is like uh, on record... A lot of their songs are filled with a lot of like vocal, like yells and breaks, and his voice is all over the place, really. Um, but live, it's like perfectly replicated. Like the bits yeah. on record where his and voice cracks, he does it. That makes you realise yeah. that it's kind of the deliberate moments yeah. and not just accidental voice cracks. Um, and the crowd, super, super loud. Um, Very talkative as well. There was a lot of banter between yeah. the band and the crowd yeah. which is quite interesting it's something you don't see very often um, and unfortunately their guitars broke before they could play um, their encore but the crowd took over and basically sang it like a cappella. Oh, that's cool. uh, and the drummer like just hopped behind the kit quickly to like give us a beat but that was really sick as well it was a fun way to end the show yeah it's unfortunate but I think it's it's a very unique way for a show to end yeah and it's very memorable support bands something other than sweat uh, Arms Length supported um, a band that I've got into a bit recent, a bit more recently prior to going to, to the gig, um, and they were really, really great. Awesome. A new, a new favourite for me. Always nice when you kind of discover them as well, mm. and then can enjoy like a good support slot. Yeah, and then uh, shortly after, you two went to see Counterparts on an absolutely stacked bill. Yeah, it was uh, Dying Wish, Paleface Swiss, Kubla Khan, Kubla Khan, and then Counterparts. It was incredible. It was. Amazing to see from the first bands, not even just starting, but like just about to kind of get going, that the room was absolutely fucking packed. Um, which was obviously amazing to see, and I think it speaks to how stacked the lineup was. Um, Dying Wish's first time in the UK, I think, from what I've seen, could, could have been which they put on a fantastic set. Um, I should note that I think pretty much every band featured gave the pigeon on vocals at one yeah, point during the gig, which was absolutely hilarious, and he nailed it. Counterparts just fucking killed it. 
Yeah, their biggest ever headline show and um, a crowd just were on fire. The new, the new short king of England, as yeah. Brendan uh, proclaimed himself. Yeah. Well, uh, my overall take is like, we've been to a lot of gigs, right? Sometimes support bands can ever so slightly dip the momentum of a show or you just don't know them that well, whatever, doesn't... This, I will say, is the best complete show I think I've ever been to. Yeah, I think Where I every agree band that. was good. Every band offered something different, and the and like the momentum and energy escalated perfectly. Um, Dying Wish were amazing, and like I was in the pit for it, and it was definitely the sort of pit where like as their set was going on, more and more people were just jo- joining in for fun who mm. didn't even know them. Pale Face Swiss was like just ignorantly heavy. Um, the d- <laughs> the dude on stage at one point went. Just before a breakdown, his mosh call was like, "We are the reason they put holes in Swiss cheese." <laughs> that <laughs> was an incredible yeah. one. That was fantastic. Um, Kublai Khan were like the perfect. It's funny, isn't it? It is very funny. Um, I'm just switching it in my head now. Yeah, this is the reason they put holes in Swiss cheese. It was literally just, <laughs> just pretty like much that. like that. Yeah, and then Kublai Khan was the perfect example of like. You always mean to get into a band and you always know, oh, I should check them out because based on all the recommendations, I should love them and I never do. And you see them live and you're like, yeah, I love them. The Switch just I'm, a, I'm obsessed. I've been listening to their music relentlessly since that mm. set. That was like the knock loose effect for me at Outbreak last year in particular. Yeah. And there was one point again that he, the crowd, it might have been like sort of halfway through the set and he just went, oh, you know how to make a man feel good, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Counterparts was just super, super good. Absolutely amazing set. Brendan was very, very nice compared to usual yeah. times. Like there was the there was the I think we're seeing a new Brendan. Yeah. These days. There was the usual like put downs and like, oh if you don't do this then we're going back home and all this kind mm. of thing and a few little parts like that. But for the most part, very nice, very appreciative. And they just fucking killed it, I think. Now we're into festival season. Yeah, baby. Woohoo! So you can go and check out those two vlogs in particular. But now the hype begins. Slam dunk, download, two thousand trees, burn it down. Exciting times, baby. Come on, oh, yeah, baby. That's what I took away from the Kubla concert as well. He kept saying like, he kept saying "baby" at the end. Like all of his mosh calls were like, "Open this, open this shit up, baby." <laughs> I also oh. saw folds, and they were good. Oh yeah, yeah, you did them too. <laughs> do you want to talk about that? Have I already talked about? It? I can't remember. Was that on no. the last episode? Did we, did you mention? No, it can't been because it was this no, month. It was, it was since. Oh yeah, go on. Tell him mm. about folds, Dan. Yeah, Foles was very fun. It's I guess it's something a bit different to what we usually talk about on here. But um, yeah, lots of fun. It was meant to be a, a, an album release show, but it's been pushed back by like a whole year, basically. Uh, so instead of just playing the new album, they played just a bunch of hits like it was a normal show. And uh, yeah, nice homecoming. So a big, very uh, boisterous crowd. Nice. It was very, very fun. I had a good nice time. Wonderful. We all had lovely times in this past oh, month. So much fun. It's been a good month for gigs. Yeah. Shall we discuss things now then? Come yeah, on. there's something we need to talk about. And it's... Who the hell's going to headline Slam Dunk? So we'll start by, I guess, thinking about next year's headliners. And then maybe we'll look at beyond there. Has anyone got any names you want to throw out first of all? I got one. And it's, it is someone that we saw there headline quite recently, but bearing in mind the recent news, I wouldn't be surprised if by chance we saw some 41 headline as it could be the final opportunity after putting out their final album, which is going to be a double album. 
they are starting to call it a wrap on their career. It's been, I think it was like 27 years, I think I saw. Um, they suit that festival very well. Uh, especially when I kind of look into this kind of as, as a topic, you usually have a mix of like some newer bands that are quite big and some older bands that are quite big. And I, I started looking back and thinking, I can't think of many almost legacy acts for Slam Dunk that you can kind of book. Like they're quite limited, and especially having like a Bowling for Soup and Offspring this year. I'm looking back at other ones who I think f- could be headline worthy and I'm struggling. But I feel like for a last big hurrah, um, unless they happen to be at Download Festival potentially last year, but I can't see them necessarily at a, a big spot to kind of close it off necessarily as a, as a last big show. I think it'd be more notable them doing one more big set at Slam Dunk Festival. So that's like one of the ones in particular for next year. Um, yeah, that's my first one there. My only doubt with that is if they're going to be doing their own world tour anyway. Yeah, then they're point. probably n- they're probably not going to want to do Potentially. too many festival dates. All these festival headliners. Um, one that I'd chuck out there. I, I don't know if any of mine really necessarily like going to be for next year or a specific year or anything. But I can see Newfound Glory doing it at some, at some point soon. That mm. is a very good shout. Yeah. I feel like they sort of fit in that same era. They're a sort of a legacy, yeah. iconic punk band. As, as soon as James was saying, I can't really think of many legacy pop punk bands that would play Slam Dunk. I'm just thinking, well, Newfound Glory are probably the one. I've I've got another one, actually, and they did headline in 2018, and that's Good Charlotte. Mm, as one. Yeah. The, the, the good thing about Slam Dunk is it's versatile in the sense that, like, they can sort of change which stage they want to be the main, main stage it could be heavy one year could be a legacy one or it could be the um, Amazon one which is like Shikari stage this year um, there is one that I think actually could do it maybe next year might be a good year that's neck deep um, they yep. did headline the tent they were at last year but they weren't it was sort of a weird one because they were billed in the lead up as headliners and then it kind of got and then they finished slightly. they did finish like quite significantly before some 41 yeah um, but no, I think neck deep on like an open air stage mm-hmm. as the final band of the day would be pretty fitting. Um, I've seen some forums saying that uh, this band itself have kind of mentioned they could be headlining the next year, and that's Yumi at six. They seem to be kind of put out a lot of in in terms of as a potential headliner. From I think what people are saying, they haven't played there before which is probably quite surprising, bear in mind the demographic of what you're probably getting at Slam Dunk, where it can be very like pop punk to metal kind of music, which they do fit in, but there is a very, I think, good merging of all those genres that Slam Dunk usually get um, and to appeal to a good mass market, I think, you meet at six. Bear in mind the big um, show they were playing and headlining at 2000 Trees last year. They're definitely like a headline-worthy band of a small festival like this. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, I think we're probably due a Yumi at six return at some point. They headlined it back in 2015, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a couple of albums since then. They're a big arena-sized band that aren't too big to play this festival as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I do think we're probably due a Yumi at six at some point. Not necessarily that I'd like them to, but you know. It could happen. It's a prediction, not a once list. Exactly. Speaking yeah. of which, I reckon All Time Low will do it soon. Oh. And again, really don't want them to. 
for a lot of reasons. So we won't talk too much about them. For, I guess, they kind of fall now under a legacy band. Um, I've seen some mention about Fallout Boy. Now they're kind of back and with new material coming out. They could kind of fit that genre. So, it doesn't so feel like they, they're almost on the level of like a Paramore coming back and filling proper big arenas. It feels mm, like something I, slightly smaller. There's not as much momentum behind it right now. No, I think they're, I think they're a bit too big for Slumdog. Yeah, you yeah, think? I, I, yeah, they've done Reading and Leeds, haven't they? Yeah, yeah they have. Have they headline Reading and Leeds? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I, I see what the point you're making. It doesn't also feel like, like as big a comeback as like a Paramore as a My Chemical Romance to me right now. Did they do an album? Or is it, we just had that. Yeah. They have done oh, quite recently. Know. Has the album come out? Yeah. That went under my radar. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, I think they're flying a the, bit too I low. Think the problem was they got everyone's hopes up by the two singles being quite pop-punky and then the rest of the album was not pop-punky. Oh, I see. Um, that so that's why a lot of people haven't been talking about it, I think. Um, that's, those, those are my thoughts on it anyway. Um, if you wanted to... But still, they're, yeah. they're, much t- they're far too big for Slam Dunk, I think. Yeah. If you wanted to pivot the... Well, it's now... It was usually Jägermeister. It's now the Not Fest stage. A.K.A. the Heavy stage. If you wanted to make that the main focus, do you think Architects? That was going to be my next one I was going to mention. I feel like they are definitely big enough. Their music has diversified slightly more as well, and I think will cater to more people instead of just being like the token heavy band. Because they headlined, I think, the first year I went, which was 2017. Well, he- headlined the stage. Headlined the heavy yeah. stages in there. Which was a lot smaller um, back then. But I think the, the size they are now and potentially of the crowd they'll draw in i could very much see that happening um i think it's it's due to happen as well architects i don't think they've really headlined a festival no at least a major named festival so maybe slam dunk or trees need to be yeah. booking them i feel like that's a good sort of equivalent because another one i had maybe not for next year because of it'd be too soon after trees this year but i think frank carter would be a really great pick um Looking, I was literally just scrolling through previous lineups, and he's worked his way up uh, previous slam dunks. And I think if he's worthy of trees, he's definitely worthy of slam dunk. I'm not sure he's played slam dunk for a while as well. Mm. I remember um, seeing him on the the main stage. I think just before Good Charlotte in 2018. I feel like. Um, so yeah, maybe he's due a big return. Uh, I'm just trying to scroll through bands that have. A band that's headlined a stage, I, I think you could argue either for if they were like the main headliner, or well, because like with this year they've caught, sort of got two in the Offspring and Shikari, and I feel like if this band was a headliner, you'd maybe need another band as an alternative. But All American Rejects, they've done it before. They've headlined a stage, yeah. whether or not that was like the, no, the, I think the it, main. I think one. it was, was the main it? stage. Awesome. Yeah, I love that band. I'd love to see them. I think it was two thousand fourteen. I don't know why I've got all this information yeah. in my head, but yeah. I'm we are, we are a mastermind. Dan, what is your well, chosen well, subject? We, Slam Dunk Headliners. Festival lineups. Let's look further into the future. Bands that aren't there yet, but you would like to either see get to there or think could get to there. I've got one to throw out straight away, and I think Boston Manor. Mm. I think it, it depends what happens as far as like... I don't know. They're, they're like an effortlessly cool band. And I think if they have a really, really strong like release and the right wave of momentum to pick them up. I feel like their growth could be pretty astronomical in a, in a relatively short space of time. I don't think... Oh, this I think is like maybe five years, if not more. Down yeah, the line. they're definitely starting to find their sound a bit now, I think, and maybe a couple a couple of big albums under their belt and 
You never know. Yeah. It could be there. If that momentum really properly carries. Mm. Trash boat. I feel like there's, Same there's sort of thing, kind of a similar baby maybe... that I'm thinking that I'm seeing them in, they're playing much bigger support slots now for other bands that are, are quite big and playing arenas that even I've seen like with the I Prevail show that if there's more and more noticeability and a really good release and a really good promotion around an album that it's almost like the neck deep thing. It was once uh, Life's Not It To Get You came out and The Peace and The Panic, they were really, really well promoted, great releases that really elevated them up into kind of like a higher tier. And I think with both of those bands, with Boston Man and Trash Boat, if that happens, they kind of are going to get that nice little bump up. And you're going to want to see that nice kind of trajectory of, like you say, with Neck Deep headlining their own stage prior to that, that if they kind of build up in a nice way and if a festival gets behind them as well, that's the key thing, that Mm -hmm. you'll then start to see that natural progression into that headline slot. Um, I think the only problem with Trash Boat at the moment is they're kind of, not necessarily going through an identity crisis, but they're still kind of trying to establish what sound they want to go for, I Mm. think. True. But who knows, once they manage that, from a heavier point, while she sleeps, they've played multiple times beforehand. If I mean, they, they were headliners in twenty twenty one, weren't? As in, of the stage, of the played. headline stage. Yeah. Um, of the heavy. Stage, I think right? seeing how, bear in mind, if we're talking five years down the line as well, seeing how this Ali Pali show goes. If you think five years ago when we had kind of architects doing that, they're kind of like on that, like a few years behind kind of step. And yep. depending on how next album goes that's coming out and, and how Ali Pali goes and kind of a few things like that. And they're playing some really big shows around Europe currently in the minute, just finishing off that tour. There's no reason why they couldn't follow that same trajectory. Yeah. I think it's like Alex said, I think it really depends which stage something mm. wants to push as being the headline stage. If that happens to be the heavy stage, then yeah, definitely. I th- can definitely see like obviously mentioned him previously, within the next five years, Neck Deep will have to headline. I feel yeah. like Slam Dunk itself, though, you kind of say about which stage they're going to pivot towards. Is Slam Dunk going to go through a pro- like the process of having its own identity crisis? And also, are they going to start running out of the legacy bands? Not almost the same fashion as Download, where you almost have to have your token older band sometimes. But it feels like, like thinking back and looking over the next couple of years, I'm struggling to find those older bands that are going to start headlining. I think and it it's feels not, like it's either going to get to the point where it's going to be repeats again, though. Yeah, but I think the reason why with Download it feels so bad is because they got to book three every year. Agreed. Whereas, like, I think they're going to burn out with the the bands that they're going to be choosing. Because okay, right. how many more legacy bands can you think of that could headline it that haven't already done it? They don't need a legacy band though. I think, but they seem I think to rely that's, on that. That's the thing. The whole No FX tour they've been going on and they've had them before. I feel like they yeah, have to appeal to the older market as well slightly. Yeah, but also it depends what, how you define legacy band because like this is Shikari's second headline. I'm not classing but, them as a legacy band still though. A, yeah, but... I would, cla- I would class like a Sub 41 as a legacy band. You're looking well, what, at... The, so what are the offspring of legacy band? I would, for, for Slam Dunk perspective, yes. Yeah, all right. I think for Download perspective, I don't we're think talking you need about the offspring there, though. I think Shikari in their no, own right. I think they would headline it themselves. Headliners. But I think because they're now billing it, they used to always bill it as like one, one headliner originally. Mm. But because they're kind of now going with a two one, it's eating up, I think, the pool that they could use from. Okay, but do you see the point I'm making of you don't. They don't need to have two. I I know I know I completely agree. They they don't have. They could have just one. They, they're doing it because they just happen to have booked these big bands. Yeah. So they're going to shout about them. I agree. Whereas if they hadn't, if they had Enter Shikari and someone yeah. weaker than the Offspring, 
on like bowling on for the soup. other yeah if bowling for soup were headlining that other stage that would still work yeah yeah but they just wouldn't they'd be shouting as and Shikara would be the big name at the top the offspring wouldn't be there and it'd still sell out it's still oh no I completely agree huge. I don't think they need to be doing what they're doing mm. I think that's part of it I think if you look down years down the line you could have architects as big name up at the top playing outdoor stage if they want to pivot to that and a much smaller band that finished earlier beforehand and a bit like how it looks like download is pushing people towards the main stage to finish you could be doing that at slam dunk but because you're having two bands being pitted against each other like yes there's going to be the draw of those two bands but they don't need those two bands at the headline yeah and that's where they're having the two bands they're taking from their pool a bit of an anomaly because they've also made these two bands directly clash yeah Whereas, but yeah, this is where they, I think they're taking from their own pool of who's available because I think they'll run out of some of the bands. Because if you start getting to the loop of having the same bands there again and again, eventually, maybe not now, maybe not next year, maybe not the year after, but maybe four years down the line, it will get to, and I know it's a one-day festival and I know it's different, it will get to a point of download where you're starting to see the same people repeat again and again and again. To a degree. Yeah, I don't think it's I, as, I as urgently of, as an issue as download is, really. I think where they've where they're able to like we've said pivot the stages and stuff like they could easily have the heavy stages the main stage next year if they wanted to. Mm. I think that puts them in a position where they're not going to run out of headliners. They're not really restricted to one particular genre. They they tend to book pretty current bands as well. As much as I'd love them to pivot to the heavy stage, I don't actually see them doing it though. No, they they might not. I think they, but well, I if they, they don't, they, then that's limiting still your they, bands. But if they want to, there's an opportunity for them to do so. I actually think they've. There are more non-heavy options than there are heavy. Well, you've only got a list of last previous years. Yeah, Don th- Broco were probably the main headliner yeah. last year. Who else do you think in the future that's non-heavy then? Because mm. Dunk, I think, have always been very great at doing different bands at headlining. But this is where I'm saying, if they're getting to the point where they're having the same pool of the same headliners, I know we've suggested some for years down the line. It's going to start getting into a repeat of. Okay, these guys have done yeah, it again and again. A lot can happen in five years. I mean, I just looked and five years ago, architects were in the holy house. Mm. But I'm saying non-heavy. I guess the thing is as well, like you don't know what's going to happen in five years' time. But like five years ago, Don Broco weren't going to weren't headline material. No. Five years ago, we didn't have takedown, and now we're back. You don't know how the the, the festival landscape's going to change. Yeah. So it well, could be very well, I different. mean, any any band could just release an absolute banger of an album and blow up mm. overnight and suddenly be headline material. I don't know. It depends because, as you know, you look at the trajectory of like a lot of up and coming British bands and also bands that are like a band like Vakovi who have played almost like consecutive slam dunks, I think, which indicates that the slam dunk bookers are hot on that band. So if they keep pushing them and that band keeps growing in the scene, I think the same with like Nova Twins. I, I, I know that is a, a looking much, much further. But those are bands, in five years, who knows what Nova Twins will do. I mean, they were nominated for a Brit Award this year, or last year. So I think there's almost a closing point for me. That I think the slam dunk bookers are very much on the ball with the scene. They seem to kind of know where things are going. They know who's going to be popular. So I'm, I have no sort of worries over the coming years as to who they'll be booking. I have slight worries for a personal perspective with that. This is being the slam dunk that I think there's the least bands that prior to it that I was desperate to see. I have like probably one major clash and that's it. And for me, after Malev finished their set, 
I'm not too fussed on where I go. And from a headline perspective, I don't really care that much. This is the weakest slam dunk for me personally in quite a few years. Yeah, but I, for me, it's but, as strong as it's ever but that's, been. But that's what I was going to say is I think like where you're, you've got this worry about like the legacy bands. Um, not as a legacy because that doesn't appeal to me necessarily. No, but that's my point is like I, I, to a degree, I think like let's look at this year, for example, you not being fussed on either the offspring or Shikari puts you in like the minority because I would say that most people going will either love one of those bands if not both uh, yeah a lot of people and, are, and so when are we talk about, themselves about having to choose between yeah, the two so when them. we talk about like if Good Charlotte or, or American Rejects or Alkaline Trio or New Found Glory all leads legacy bands if those if those four or five bands were the next four or five years of bookings I'm, I'm not bothered I'd be I'd happily see all of them so I would not want to see any of those. Well, but there you go. But it's right. Well, because so that's personal preference, but maybe, isn't it? Yeah, that's fine. But I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Um, can you comment on Spotify? Yeah, I'll put a little thing up. Oh, all right. Yeah, there's a little thing okay. up now. James, what would you like to recommend? I'm going to swerve from festival season. Trivium are playing O2 Academy in Oxford in August. I am getting very excited for that. Um, and the resurgence of kind of being a fan of them happened with What the Dead Men Say. And can't wait for that tour. Uh, I'm going to recommend Celebrity Mansions by Dinosaur Pileup. They're a band that we've all agreed a great live, but I'm not sure how much we've all listened to them on record. So Not much. I think this is a great album. There's some absolute bangers on there. Let's get ready for festivals. We okay. I know I hinted at it earlier, but I'm actually not going to recommend an Amity album because Ooh. we've just listened to one, so you might as well listen to something else for a month. I'm going to recommend what I think is a stone cold classic as we go into 2000 Trees, and that is Bullet for My Valentine's album, Fever. I've not listened to it in years. I'm excited for their set, so it's just a good excuse to listen to some fucking tunes. If you've made it this far, you might as well like and subscribe. Congratulations. If you're listening on Spotify, you might as well hit follow. Five-star review as well. That'd be that'd be well cute. That's my favourite number of stars. Me too. Any more is too many. Festival season's about to start. We've got Slam Dunk this weekend. Then we got Download. Then Trees. Then Burn It Down. Woo! I'm so excited. Subscribe now so you don't miss a fucking second of it. How We're going to be vlogging. See you later. Bon voyage. Excellent. <laughs>